This is WFHB Local News for Friday, December 20th, 2019. WFHB correspondent Rasha Kamhawi reported on today's feature. She talked to a Northwest Indiana legislator who has been fighting for years to decriminalize marijuana. That's coming up in today's feature report. But first, your weekly headlines. On Wednesday evening, President Donald Trump became the third president in history to be impeached by the U.S. House of Representatives. The House used two articles to defend their impeachment of President Trump. Among the two articles included abuse of power and obstruction of justice. All nine Indiana representatives voted along party lines. The two Indiana Democrats voted with the majority to impeach Trump, while the seven Republicans voted against it. According to the Indy Star, all nine representatives have publicly stated where they stood on impeachment prior to the vote. The vote will eventually go to the U.S. Senate, where senators will decide if the president will be removed from office. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi announced Thursday she will delay sending articles of impeachment to the Senate. This leads the Senate trial well into the new year. The controversial farmer's market vendor, Schooner Creek Farms, has reportedly been removed from PayPal. The Bloomington anti-white supremacist organization, No Space for Hate, previously urged activists to request that PayPal deplatform Schooner Creek Farm. This was due to their connections to a known white supremacist and neo-Nazi group. Schooner Creek Farm announced earlier that PayPal emailed them, quote, permanent limitation, unquote, on their account and asked them to remove all references to PayPal on their website. According to No Space for Hate, PayPal deplatformed white supremacists in the past, including the American Identity Movement and its leader, Patrick Casey. The American Identity Movement was formerly known as Identity Europa and has connections to Schooner Creek Farm. Monday night, the Owen County Commissioners approved a revised festival ordinance without leaving a chance for public comment. The festival ordinance affects Spencer Pride's annual Pride Festival, as it will now be more difficult to host special events on Owen County property. So for quite some time, we've been aware of one of the commissioners in particular, Jeff Brothers, who's the president of the commissioners. He has a strong bias against the LGBTQ community and specifically Spencer Pride. Um, This is well known. Jeff Brothers isn't tremendously well liked by much of anyone, including his own political party. But nonetheless, he managed to secure the position of the president of the Owen County Commissioners. So um, Jeff has not been a supporter of us at all in the past. And, you know, we knew going into this with him in this particular new role that it was going to be a challenge for us. The festival ordinance was approved only 12 hours after making the ordinance available to the public. The ordinance gives the county commissioners authority to regulate special events only at the courthouse square. The Spencer Pride Festival would have taken place on the courthouse lawn. A section in the ordinance bans, quote, sexually explicit materials, end quote, and nudity. For the first time in a decade, the Spencer Pride Festival will not take place on the courthouse lawn. Bloomington City Council adopted the Unified Development Ordinance as amended. Assistant Director of Planning and Transportation Scott Robinson said the UDO will take effect when council accepts the conversion map. He spoke at the December 18th meeting. So there's there's two steps. We've had a conversion map posted on the Planning and Transportation's website since late July or March. Um, and it just shows the translation from 
the current district names to the changing names. Okay. That's all the conversion map is doing. We're not going to change any of the boundaries. Uh, later on, um, after the conversion map is adopted, we would initiate a public process to uh, evaluate zoning districts, where to apply the new districts, do we want to change any of the boundaries. There's some obvious locations that come to mind that have come up in both the plan commission and council deliberations, you know, most notably the uh, Bloomington Hospital site, as everybody knows. Um, they will be relocating, so what will that area be rezoned to? It's currently zoned MD or medical, um, and so that's would be a second step of the process. Robinshead said, said there is a possibility the UDO will not take effect until 2021. Council member Chris Starbaum said the organizing density can be done through the mapping process. We really need more density. It's about how do you do it? How do you put it in the right place? How do you do gentle density? How do you not destroy the town politically by an overlay that just doesn't pay attention to some of the zones in the town where it doesn't fit. So I think we can come together next year through the mapping process, find, find all the points of agreement, and work together as a city, not blaming one side and blaming another side and fighting against one another, but let's work together and find where the density works and find how our community can take this ne next step forward as a community. Council member Allison Chopera reminded the council the UDO can be changed at any time. Council member Sims says he looks forward to review. Uh, one of the terms I like to use, it's a living document. I don't think we're just going to prove it's going to be in hard copy and chipped in concrete and set on the wall. This thing has to be fluid. It has to be a living document. We have to consider at some point what's working, what's not working. Is it, is it doing what we thought, what we desired? Where can we make changes? Um, so I'm looking forward to that process. Planning Commission will review the ordinance on January 13th to approve the adoption. The Indianapolis Power and Light Company announced on December 9th that they would be shutting down two of their biggest units at the Petersburg Coal Plant. WFHB junior correspondent Katrine Bruner reports that the coal plant intends to have both units completely retired by 2023. Coal is a combustible black or brownish sedimentary rock with high amounts of carbon and hydrocarbons, also classified as the world's dirtiest energy source, and America has plenty of it. According to the article posted by the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, U.S. coal mines produced about 900 million tons of coal in 2015, with nearly all of it destined for domestic electricity generation. More than one-fourth of the world's total known coal reserves are located in the United States. One of the leading causes of climate change was the first industrial revolution, which began in the late 18th century. A large contributor to this period in American history was the mass burning of coal for energy. According to Greenpeace, coal is the single largest contributor to global warming, with one-third of all global carbon dioxide emissions coming directly from burning coal. Power plants that burn coal have been contributing to the air and water pollution, which leads to many negative health effects for humans. Greenpeace stated on their webpage that 36,000 Americans die every year as a result of air pollution from these coal-fired power plants. Since the Industrial Revolution began in the Northeast area of the United States, the Midwest has been heavily affected by these conditions for decades, Indiana included. 
However, according to a 2018 report published by the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, the state has made significant progress in reducing its levels of ozone and particle matter 2.5. In other words, there is still hope for Indiana. Bloomington, Indiana is categorized as moderate in terms of air quality. However, there are still other factors to consider when looking at this data. As a college town, Bloomington is constantly growing with more people, more buildings, and as a result, more energy consumption. With this in mind, IU began to make environmental changes on campus. In the year 2000, they were given three gold certifications from the U.S. Green Building Council to develop 19 green buildings and follow the path for leadership in energy and environmental design for the campus. The green buildings included many factors contributing to a more sustainable design including a stormwater detention system designed to reduce stormwater runoff from the site by 92% and a curtain wall on the south side of the building maximizing daylight potential. As such a vast dumping ground for pollution that the Midwest is, it is clear that there must be more changes made for the sake of citizens living in the 21st century who are consuming way more energy than ever anticipated by Americans when the Industrial Revolution began. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner. And that was Katrine Bruner reporting on the Indianapolis Power and Light Company's announcement. Moving on, last Friday, after months of being closed, West Gordon Pike has officially reopened. In between Walnut and Rogers Street, the Pike has been closed for a significant part of this year. The road closure fit within the Greater Fullerton Pike Project. The project was proposed by the county to improve traffic flowing from east to west on the south side of Bloomington. This part of the project, entitled Phase 2, was ahead of schedule, with completion intended for the beginning of 2020. Phase 3 of the project is set to begin sometime in 2023. On Tuesday this week, snowy weather caused delays for several schools in the area. Monroe County Community Schools called a two-hour delay while Richmond Bean Blossom Schools canceled school on Tuesday. Kelby Turnmail, communications officer for MCCSC, said the school corporation called the two-hour delay mainly due to icy roads. So I know the main decision to delay was really to allow additional time for road clearance and cleanup and then additional daylight and possibly a little bit of higher temperatures to try to help those workers and students, teachers, staff, everyone get to school safely. Snow started falling Sunday evening, and by Monday, the city of Bloomington declared a winter weather advisory in accordance with the National Weather Service. MCCSC routinely sends city and county employees to drive through the school corporation's bus routes in order to decide whether to call a weather delay. If the roads are safe enough for all of our city and county employees to make those bus routes, then that makes the decision whether or not we call school a delay or not. Termail said there are multiple ways to communicate weather delays to faculty, students, and parents. So we have numerous ways to communicate to staff, parents, community, students. The first one pretty much is an immediate phone call to the number that's in the system and just letting them know of two-hour delay or school close, things like that. Um, but then we also have it on our website. We have it on all social media avenues, um, email blast. There's like a notification on the app if you have the MCCSC app. So pretty much every communication avenue possible. 
A shift in weather patterns melted the snow with sunny skies and warmer temperatures at the end of the week. Reporting live for WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Charlotte Wegermiller. Support for WFHB comes from Cardinal Spirits Distillery, located on the Beeline Trail. Cardinal Spirits has opened a new kitchen featuring local and seasonal food made from scratch to complement their craft's cocktails. Dinner available Tuesday through Saturday at Cardinal Spirits, that's 922 South Morton Street. 